Welcome to the Midweek Social on All Villa No Filler. This week's guest is Paul Webb from the AVFC London Lions. Our second game this week against Manchester United didn't end as well as Unai Emery's first game in charge. We went 4-2 down. Webbo, you were at Old Trafford. What did you make of the game? Yeah, hi Frankie. Um, well, it was a good game. It was a strange game, wasn't it? Because the first half was a complete non-event, um, yeah. which isn't as is often the case, especially in this tournament, when teams persist on making changes. It just feel like both teams needed that first half to remind themselves who they were playing with as a team. I don't. I know Man United made a few changes, so there was probably a bit of a lack of cohesion on both teams in the first half. So mm. there was some signs in the first half, a bit of nervousness at the back. And there was a few, we had about a five-minute spell during the latter half, latter part of the half, where it felt like we had a little, a few corners. Dougie Louise doing his normal shot from his first corner. <laughs> yeah. the, first, the first half was, in truth, a bit of a non-event. Mm-hmm. Um, I, mean, I remember chatting to some of the guys at halftime saying, I'm, I'm bet Sky are really glad they picked this game for, <laughs> to put it on TV because it was just terrible. But then the second half just came to light. Thank yeah. It's really interesting, actually, because... Two games now under Emery, we've started the second halves really, really well. Got yeah. a lot of early goals in both halves against the same team. So that's quite a promising sign. And then the second half was a bit of a, a whirlwind of a, a, a football match, wasn't it? It was just end to end and uh, enjoyable, I'm sure, for the neutral. Um, but mm. a frustrating night again for Villa at Old Trafford. And I think my I've got quite a few different takeaways from it, but it's just there's the same frustrations now that we've had all season in scoring a goal and then just conceding so quickly yeah. after. Yeah. It happened at Palace away, Arsenal away, Everton at home. It's quite clear, and I think Gerard mentioned it a couple of times in his post-match interviews that it was something that the team needed to improve on. So there's something in the squad at the moment mm. that just seems to lack concentration after we score, and yeah. that. Is probably the biggest frustration, or maybe not the biggest frustration of the night. Um, but yeah, it, there's some definitely some positive signs, uh, frankly, mm-hmm. in, the, in the last two games. But ultimately, we're out of a cup which presents its best opportunity of silverware for the club each year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that the day after it always feels really flat because, yeah, I just I would just love to see us win a trophy. Yeah, it's been a long time, hasn't it? Um, yeah. I, I mean, it's as long ago as I, I was at the 94 uh, Coca-Cola Cup final at the oh. old Wembley. I'm jealous. I, mean, I, know, I wasn't won. at the 94 or 96 oh, one, so oh. I've been to uh, God knows how many games and I've never seen us lift the proper trophy. I don't oh. count when I was there. Playoff final, I don't count and I don't count into Toto. Yeah. I was yeah. at both of those games, so still <laughs> still a, a bucket list item. Yeah. I need to get a lift the trophy. Well, I saw so I saw Villa finish second in my first season supporting the club in ninety two, ninety three, and then I saw us win the Coca Cola Cup against Man United in ninety four, and I thought this is easy. It's probably the only <laughs> the the only time I could ever have been accused of being a glory supporter for Aston Villa. Yeah. So, um, yeah. but you know, uh, I think um, what I observed last night, uh, just watching it on TV, uh, was that um, it's. It's quite interesting how uh, Emery seems to be playing a quite sort of a hybrid four two 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 four four two. It's a very fluid formation, and it, uh, on Sunday it really caught Man United cold, yeah. um, and it seemed to suit one or two of our players, particularly Jacob Ramsey, who I thought played really well again last night. Um, but uh, you know, 
looking at some of the players who did feature last night, they're not necessarily first team, you know, first eleven players. I'm talking like the likes of August Stinson, Olsen in goal, um, even John McGinn currently. Um, so uh, you know, do you think Emery learned a lot about the players last night that might not necessarily feature every week? Uh yes. I think that is a nice way to summarise a, a, a change in team. So he couldn't play the same eleven as he played at the weekend because Dendonka was cup tied. So he was forced, he couldn't play the same team. Um, it, I still can't get my head around it, frankly, why he made the changes. This is yeah. a manager that's just come in. He's got three games. It's such a unique season. He has three games in a week before, effectively, a mini pre-season. Yeah. So he can learn about these players in the next six weeks. You don't need a competitive game. I know you'll learn more in a competitive mm. game, but if he doesn't believe that's his best team, which he can't do because why didn't they play against them in the league? Yeah. Then you can't risk getting knocked out of a tournament. Mm. They, it's not like we did what Everton did and they made 11 changes, which I think is hugely disrespectful to their fan base and yeah. to the competition. So it's not like he went mad. But for three games in a week, I don't understand why he couldn't just put his best 11 out or as close to it in every single game. We've only got four players going to the World Cup. He can, or there will be, I'm sure, be behind closed door friendlies throughout November and December. He has a glaring opportunity to learn about these players and yeah. not risk losing a game of football. So I can't understand why, especially the back five, I don't understand his whole... I don't want to be too negative towards the guy in his only his second game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think he made like every single one of the back five changed throughout the night, apart mm. from the goalkeeper who changed before the game. But Chambers moved from one position to another and then the other back three all got substituted. Yeah. And it's very unusual to be changing the defence during a game. And I know mm. we were getting overrun, but you still expect substitutions to be of an attacking mindset. Yeah. So I think... Your question was, did he learn a lot? Yes. Do I agree with that's the platform that he could have learned? No, I, I don't agree with Olsen playing. I don't agree mm. with that many changes at the back. In, a, in Just because of the way that the, the fact is this time next week, we won't have a game for six weeks. Yeah. So I don't, I think he had the opportunity to learn in a, a safer environment. So mm. I, I, I think that probably still a little bit raw from the game last night. I I think he made a couple of mistakes and um, that that cost us the our place in the tournament. In, yeah. in truth. I think I think Olsen, Robin Olsen in goal had a tough night, didn't he? Yeah. He, you know, we, we don't like to get at players really on on this podcast very much, but I think last night with Olsen, it was he's not had a good spell at Villa really whenever mm-hmm. he has featured and I think that it was the third goal that he his pass out was just um you know that that's it, it was strange all night because even in the first half he made a few questionable decisions and I think mm. I it was a learning curve that I had as a fan when I when under Dean Smith he mm. was adamant that the two centre backs should be a left footer and a right footer yeah and I thought that that was probably the the first time I'd ever heard a manager be so open about that um I think mm. me growing up you you play your best centre backs because they were there to stop defending they weren't really playing they weren't passes of the ball as obviously the game's changed now mm. and Chambers playing on the left was it was very noticeable I found in the first half because every yeah. time he he picked up the ball he's a right footed player mm. he, he closed himself off to the left back 
So the ball kept going back to Alton and it always looked a little bit iffy. Yeah. So it wasn't down to them being bad or anything like that. It was just there was a little bit of a poor structure right. to that back line and it never allowed Alton to really have confidence. I didn't feel I didn't feel he brought himself into the game. There was that moment in the first half where it was sort of like a, a funny cross came in and his mm. positioning was terrible and he did that funny slide and got gave away a corner and nothing came from it. But yeah, he just never he always wanted the ball, so I'll give him that credit. He didn't shy away from it and he didn't deviate from the plan of passing the ball out. Because yeah. if you actually look at our second goal, I think it was, it starts with a ball from Olsen to McGinn and then yeah. McGinn into Young, I think it was. So he never changed the plan. Um, so you got to give him credit for that. But he just looked shaky from the start. It just, I just think if you're going to change a goalkeeper, give him the back four in front of him that's been there all the time. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. it's really quite harsh to throw the goalkeeper and the whole new back and four together at yeah. Old Trafford, which is still a really tough place to go. I just think yeah. he made too. Uh, he, he he exposed quite a lot of those players where they didn't need to be exposed last night, particularly when they've not had you know they're not necessarily match sharp. Um, you yeah. know, not not necessarily up to the pace, and a few of them did look slightly off the pace yesterday, to be honest. And also something that. I noticed, and it was quite similar to the Newcastle game, was how often we were getting caught with balls just over the top, playing yeah. through us, getting in behind. Um, do you think that was? Uh, do you think Emery was experimenting with a higher line than we normally play? Um, so I don't, I don't know. Is the honest answer because that set that first goal was really odd, isn't it? I've watched it back quite a few times. And you're sort of thinking, well, that's that is just a simple ball over the top. Yeah, well, I still can't get my head round. If, and that's why I alluded to it at the start of it. Maybe it was a lack of concentration after we've scored. And mm. maybe they've moved up subconsciously and they're higher than they should be. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, it's a really strange goal, isn't it? It's like, just so easy. Nothing, yeah. it's, no, it's not a great ball or anything like that or great movement. It's just something's not quite right there. So I don't know if it was an experiment of the high ball. But you're right, it, it, hasn't, it has happened before. So I still think we are fragile at the back. Uh, and mm. I think that's going to be a huge area for Unai to to focus in on. And like you said at the very start of the call, maybe he was trying to figure out which one of his defenders is the main one. And, and even taking Konza off felt mm. a little bit of a strange decision and then bringing Mings on. It it, it all felt a little bit like an experiment. That's, yeah. why, that's probably the little bit that really irks me is that it isn't an experiment. This is a... You you said in your press conference what a week ago your priority is to win a trophy. Yeah, it's a really tough place to go. Why did he make it harder for himself? Yeah. So I feel like I've been a little bit too negative on a manager that's just come in twice. I I understand why you'd want to see players. I just it just still annoys me that we're out of the kind of comp- mm. competition. And you just think actually if we played Martinez, just one change, you can just see a couple of those goals would have been yeah. prevented. It do, um, but yeah. does show the quality of Martinez, doesn't it? When you contrast yeah. it with what we saw last night. Um, but I th- there were some, you know, there were some positives as well. You know, yeah. uh, um, again, I think the formation at times um, looked, we looked more comfortable playing in that formation on Sunday and last night than we did at, under anything we tried under Gerard this season. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly more fluid. Um, our attacking players looked more like clued in and more threatening than we did under Gerard. Um, so that's a very rapid positive change I think that Emery's had and Sunday was just absolutely electrifying and really fun and the first goal 
um, last night and on Sunday came from Jacob Ramsey taking the ball on the half turn and slipping in last night was Ollie Watkins and on Sunday it was Leon Bailey. Um, you know, what are the main positives you think you can take from the first two games from uh, Unai Emery? Um, well, there are a lot of positives. I've, I've yeah. come on here and been overly negative, but you are, you're absolutely right. There's a lot of positives there. And I think it's quite clear to see that he's going to get, it looks like he's going to get the best out of what I would certainly our best attacking players. So I think he's already identified um, Bailey, Wendia, Ramsey and Watkins as his four main threats for this yeah. season, uh, for this team. Um and the way he's going to do that is exactly getting Ramsey, picking the ball up in dangerous areas, finding pockets of space and then being able to turn and exploit it. Similar with Wendia. I think that's mm. what their role is going to be like, is to be able to find that pocket of space, turn and look up. And they should have two fast players ahead of them in Bailey and Watkins. Yeah. Because Bailey, Bailey looks, again, brilliant when he's he came on. It was exceptional, that wasn't it? I, I was close to writing Bailey off. Um, yeah, same. Few moments ago, I didn't didn't see anything. I saw a player that was going down very easily. Seemed mm. to always want to be injured. Uh, seemed to be a player who didn't really want to be playing that hard. Mm. Have flashes of brilliance, and then they were few and far between. But this is a guy who, to be fair, maybe the tail end of Gerard as well. But he's he's really found his rhythm at the minute, and it feels like Emery can protect those four. Like I think with yeah. Dendonka, Louise and or Kamara, who I thought was another big plus, played yeah. okay last night. But, you know, so that was a good change. I was happy. I'm surprised he got the full 90 minutes, but it's great to see him playing. So it feels like he's got a foundation there. They say, look, you four, I'm gonna, we're going to protect you. We've got Dendonka, Kamara or Louise, whichever two of those three play. Mm. They will protect you. You can go and you can go and find the pockets of space. I want Bailey. I want Watkins to be running at players, and I want Ramsey to be picking the ball up, not as a left back, which is what perhaps Gerard wanted him to do. Yeah, but he wanted yeah. to be picking it up in dangerous space. And so often last night, he got space, and again on Sunday as well, he, they were just finding lovely little pockets of space. Completely. So you can just see the biggest thing that we've been calling out for as fans is trying to get the best out of what is a very talented uh, squad. Yeah, and it feels like Emery's already found a way to get the best out of Ramsey, to get the best out of Wendy, and that is something genuinely to be excited about. And, yeah. Uh, so I think there are there was far more positives in the last week than there are negatives. Yeah. So I think we should definitely talk about them, and I think I thought Dendonka was exceptional yeah, at the it weekend. Was. Probably could have been man of the match, albeit yeah. you know you score goals, so I can understand why he wouldn't have been, but. In Dendonka, in Louise and Kamara, that three, you've got two positions there and the three of them right now, team sheet comes out, brilliant, which as long as two of them are playing. Mm. And then you've got freedom to then explore up top as well. So I think there's a lot of positives to take from it. Yeah, it was it was incredible just how good Bailey has been in the last two games. And like you, I got to the point where I was... Almost just like, well, just give up on him. Um, but like the last, yeah, as I say, the last two games, that run he made, that mazy run of yeah. put in Ollie Watkins um, was just, um, that was world-class, to be honest. You know, as a really talented player can do that. Well, I'll tell you, when he was on that run, I was having a go at him for not going down and getting a free kick. <laughs> we were under pressure at the time. And he, yeah. there was a few challenges that he could have gone down for and just bide ourselves some time. So right. throughout that run, I'm in the stands going, go down, get a free kick. And then <laughs> Watkins are like, oh, okay, fair enough. You, you know what you're doing. So. <laughs> yeah. 
that was exceptional. <laughs> we'll let these professionals do what they do best. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I think the the major positive for me the last two games as well has been um, Jacob Ramsey. Uh, he looks like he's just. I don't know whether he'd kind of just tailed off a little bit under Gerard this season. I, I, seemingly every player, other than maybe Ashley Young, had not really been at it this year. Um, but um, Ramsey, what I found, saw on Sunday being at the game, like you were, was uh, just noticing how often he was finding gaps between the lines, particularly when he drifted out to the right-hand side. And he's always been a player who likes to take the ball on the half turn. And so when he does take it on the half turn and has a chance to run, He's really hard to stop. You know, he can be a really devastating player when he does that. Um, and uh, I, I just, you know, it's easy to overrate your own players and whatever. But I, I do think he has a very high ceiling, Ramsey. Um, and if he can continue to do that this season under Emery, he's somebody I'm really excited to see what he um, achieves by the end of this season. Um, and uh, as you say, you know, uh, the forward lines, you know, the, he's identified who his main attacking threats are. Um, but and also Dendonka. Um, did you notice on Sunday how Dendonka was playing later in the game quite a weird sort of striker's role? Yeah, I was, I again, being the expert that I am in the fans, I was not happy to see here <laughs> because I thought when he, I, I thought he was bossing the game in that mm. midfield role. I thought we were outnumbering them in midfield and we did a job on them. And I, I never, when you're doing a job on them, it's why change it? Obviously, yeah. they. They we'd, we'd taken the steam out of it, but he, he almost he sort of replaced Buendia, didn't he? Went into Buendia's role, yeah. And I forget, did McGinn come on and go further deep, yeah? Um, so, so that felt like, uh, well, I've got to keep Den Donker on the pitch, but I want to bring another player on. He's playing so well, that's just moving around. So, I think at that moment in time, that was very much like Emery experimenting with where people can play when the game mm. was amazingly safe against Man United obviously oh, no. we as fans never felt it was safe no. but actually when you watch the game back they didn't have a shot in that second half so no. it actually was quite safe despite never feeling safe against Man United uh, but yeah I'm really excited about Ramsey as well I would agree he needed a break from it yes. I don't know if he'd had too much football if he'd lost a little bit of confidence if Gerard was playing him too deep I don't quite know mm. where his mojo had gone mm. Um, but he certainly had, and it felt like the appointment of Gerard. There was one player I was really excited about because I thought if Gerard's going to get the best out of anybody, it will be Jacob Ramsey because yeah. similar type of players. And he did, to be fair, when he first started, there was that uh, uh, real increase in Ramsey's performances. I know he scored yeah. the winner away at Norwich, for example. That was a really good performance. You could see a better player emerging. So you got to sometimes remember. Every young player goes through a little spell. Like look at last night, Marcus Rashford. He's a world class player. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's yeah. had a bit of a bad spell under different managers, and it doesn't always. It's hard to be at the top of your game consistently. Mm. So, I actually think he's going to really benefit from this mini preseason, Ramsey, um, and learn about Emery and learn about where he wants to play. Because quite clearly, he's already been identified as a star player under Unai Emery so that must give him confidence straight mm. away because he'd been out of the team under Gerard. straight away he's been brought back in I think he mentioned it in his post or pre-match interview they said it's a clean slate for everybody mm. and the way I read into that was it felt like he hadn't got the opportunities or something wasn't quite right under Gerard towards mm. the end so he's obviously been given at least a life under Emery and, and I think he is the player we need to be he's not as good as a Grealish, for example, that you build yeah. your team around it. 
Yeah. But he, he should be a huge part of what we do in the next 18 months. Um, and, and it's always nice when it's somebody who's come up through your youth team. Maybe yeah. even his brother could feature. I know, yeah. Great spell at Norwich. Uh, it feels like a few of our loadies are actually doing better this mm. season than they were in previous seasons. So, yeah, it's always nice as a fan to see somebody come through. And he has genuinely skills that I would agree with you that his ceiling is probably higher than a few people around him. Yeah. What I would say, interestingly, is um, there's a few of our players in midfield who I thought the ceiling was higher than it's going to be. Yes. So it's going to be interesting to see how we nurture his talent. But yeah, that is a huge positive in these first two games. And something I'm excited to see at Brighton at the weekend is, is him picking up the ball in space. And you want to be excited, don't you? So one of the biggest criticisms I think we had in the Gerrard, it was boring. Yeah. Like just, we have yeah. exciting players in that mm. squad. Let me just see Buendia picking up the ball in space, Ramsey picking up the ball in space, with Bailey running ahead of him, Watkins running ahead of him. Ings last night, if you noticed, for Watkins' goal, when he when Ramsey picks the ball up, if you watch Ings, he is pointing straight away where the ball goes. He yeah. is making a run and at no point wants the ball. Not because he doesn't as in he's ignoring it, he knows where the space is. He's pointing at Ings and after Watkins' second touch, he's already celebrating. So I don't know what he sees in training from Watkins that he knew he was (laughs) going to score because I think many of us (laughs) had confidence. But there was an excitement. So that that is what I want to see when I go to Villa. It looks like this season's going to be maybe not where we hoped it was going to end, especially after last night and the start we've had. But if for the rest of the season, if we're going to be watching Buendia, Ramsey, the like Bailey on the half turn, running at defenders, uh, I'm happy to watch that for the rest of the season. And if that gives us confidence, and I think there is a, there is a, still a really bright future ahead of us. Yeah, for sure. I, I totally agree with all of that. And um, I think one player as well it's worth discussing is somebody who's obviously been in focus this season with the captaincy, and that's John McGinn. Um, mm-hmm. now, he ca- now, I tweeted the other week, uh, that I, when Emery came in, I wondered if John McGinn might actually end up playing almost as a second striker, as a kind of defensive forward in a way. Um, he does score long ranges every now and again, so he's got that in his locker, and he has a good goal-scoring record for Scotland. I know some might debate about the quality of the opposition at international football, but still, it is impressive to score as much as you do at international level as he does. So um, with McGinn, um, you know, you mentioned uh, Kamara, Dendonka and Douglas Luiz as the centre midfielders. And I would agree completely they're our best three uh, for that those roles. So with McGinn, um, what do you think the future is for him? Do you think he's now a bench player? So I don't know what the... I wouldn't... I think the guy just needs the break. I yes. think this priest, I think he then needs to work with it because... He has been off the pace lately. It's like last night, there were so many times he was on the ball. I could mm. count three or four times he was on the ball. He had time on the ball yeah. and and he allowed a Man United player, different Man United players, each side to come behind and win the ball. Yeah. He had time to pick a pass. And for whatever that, this is a man that's short of confidence now. Wherever he is on the pitch, he used to be able to find, like, he wasn't perfect, but he, he he always saw what was going on the pitch. He had a good long ball in him around the back and he would find a man and move the ball quickly. He has, for whatever reason, just lost his confidence. Mm-hmm. Whether giving him the captaincy was too much for him, whether that, I don't know if it was on the last podcast I mentioned it, but I was a big fan of cricket. I thought when Joe Root was given the captaincy at England, all his teammates 
as much as he played well, they said he changed as a personality. He was the joker in the England dressing room. Yeah. And he lost the ability to be that joker when he became captain. Now, since Stokes has become captain, everybody you speak to on go on podcasts with cricket has said, we've got the old Joe Root back. Right. As in he's not able to, he doesn't have the seriousness of the captaincy. Mm-hmm. He's just cranking everybody in the dressing room. And he, that is what we saw John begin to be. Mm. Now, it, I'm not saying it's the same, but it, there, there is a similarity there potentially that maybe he's taken on a completely different role and he can't be the joker of the pack anymore. And he doesn't, yeah. maybe he just doesn't suit being a captain. But then, so something needs to change him again because there's, I genuinely believe there's a good enough Premier League footballer that can help Aston Villa in John McGinn. For sure. Do I see maybe in 12 months' time, if we make the progression where we want to go, it might be time to sell him there. Right now, yeah. He's good enough to be as part of the match day squad, one hundred percent. Would I have? And in his current form, he can't be near the starting eleven. He's just he needs this break. Mm. He needs to work out what his best position is going to be. Because I don't know. I still don't. If we play the way that Miami began to set up in that sort of like a four-two-two-two, almost like four-two-four formation in a way, mm. um, I don't really see where he gets into that team. I, yeah. I just don't. I think he's. I like the idea that he could become more attacking um, because he has got a good shot on him. He has got a good pass on him. He should be a very attacking player. But right now, he looks lost on the field. Um, I think a year ago, he should have been him and Louise as the holding midfielders, but he's not. Kamara's already shown that he's better than that. Then Donker's already had better games than him. So right now, the future for John McGinn is he needs a reset. Mm-hmm. During this uh, World Cup period, he needs to work hard on a specific area, get his confidence back. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if taking the captaincy off him would give him his confidence back because if you look at the four players going to the World Cup, the one you would expect to go the, the furthest in the tournament is Martinez. Yeah. So if Martinez wins the World Cup, uh, which I actually think Argentina will win the World Cup, uh, and I think Martinez will win the Golden Glove, and maybe even play with a tournament. Mm. Um, if he's won the World Cup, there's probably going to be quite a big party over in Argentina, which I would have thought Martinez might like to go to. <laughs> so from a Villa perspective, worst case scenario would be Argentina winning the World Cup. He could mm. have the majority of January off. Yeah, now, I have no idea what any club is going to do for their players who play in the World Cup. I don't I haven't read anything about it. Nobody's come out and said yeah. what's going to happen. But normally they get extra time off before a pre-season and they usually get mm. an extra two weeks holiday to combat that so who knows what happens so that's the scary thought is that in January we could have Olsen as our number one for the whole month and then you're left with the captain being whoever mm. plays in a certain <laughs> game so yeah. there is that is the biggest worry but yeah to your original point I think McGinn just needs to reset get his confidence back and then see where he fits into the team and I mm. at this moment in time I think he would have to be the fourth choice centre midfielder I don't really see where I think he tried to play him in what would have been like the left of the four yesterday mm. and he just wants he wants to be in the middle of the park he yeah. doesn't want to be out wide so you can't play him as a, a wide player and at the minute he's not good enough to be in the starting 11 out of those two yeah. um, maybe away at a big club you could play him alongside Watkins maybe just to have a little bit more rigidity in the midfield and more attacking but I I don't know I don't at this moment in time I think the future for McGinn 
could be away from Aston Villa, which is a great shame because he was a huge part of our promotion push. Yeah. But sometimes in football, things just happen. And uh, I, I hope if he does leave, it's not, it doesn't become toxic or anything like that. He, he's oh, been yeah. a great servant for Villa. So it, I, I hope that the fans don't turn on him or anything like that. But right now, he's he's not playing well enough to be in our starting eleven. Yeah, he's a, he's been an absolutely brilliant servant to Villa for sure. And if he does leave, you know, eventually in the near future, then um, obviously we'd all be I'd always be massively supportive of whatever he ever did, to be honest. Um, yeah. But and I'd also lean, I'd lean towards thinking Emmy Martinez makes a very natural captain, larger than life character. He's won big trophies, um, and he seemed to re- relish the role. Uh, playing uh, Man United on Sunday, you know, when he lined the wall up for Luca Dia's goal, which was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And also, there's that you know Spanish-speaking connection with Unai Emery as well. So I don't know. I just I just think a lot of it fits really. Um, but uh, you know, uh, got to ask you before we go, what would you like to see uh, from Unai Emery this season? What would you like to see him achieve um, by the end of this season? I'd like to see him win a trophy. <laughs> yeah. Really we played the yeah. right goalkeeper last night. But um, I think it's really frustrating because this, I was, to, I got swept up and I think we discussed it last time when Gerard, we, the owners told us we were now taking the next step. We yeah. were challenging for Europe. I said before this season, there will be a team that doesn't have many players go to the World Cup. And therefore, they should be able to get ahead of other teams when the World Cup restarts. We now only have four players going to the World Cup. We play Liverpool on Boxing Day, who now play Man City before us in the Carabao Cup. So they will be, at best, underprepared. They will not be at full strength. And that is a huge opportunity to get points again in a game where we will be huge underdogs based on where the, the league table will finish. We then play Tottenham away. So we now play Liverpool and Tottenham in an absolutely ideal time yeah. because you have to assume that their squads, their squads are going to be depleted. And our worst case scenario is that we don't have our number one goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Now, if you, we had to do this podcast yesterday, I'd have said that's not that big of an issue. Olsen's a decent keeper. Right now, that is quite a big loss. But... We have a huge opportunity to pick up points in games where we're going to be underdogs in. So I still think there's a chance of a top half finish because the league's so congested. Um, and you, you just have to hope for an FA Cup run. I think we're in exactly the same position as we were this time last year. Frankie, we've we've wasted a year. Mm-hmm. We had an opportunity with these new owners to really push on the season. We could have been where Brighton are now. Yeah. There was a team that were always going to be and Newcastle. There was a team that were always going to upset the apple cart this season because it's such a bizarre season. Mm-hmm. Next year, it's going to be back to a normal pre-season. The league starts when it does normally and there'll probably be more routine to it. So I really do feel like as a club, we've wasted a huge opportunity to be ahead of the curve in what yeah. is a very weird season. And that, yeah. But that opportunity is gone now. You know, anyways, come in. He's got this season to really learn what he's got in the squad. He's got an opportunity. I don't. I know we're near the bottom. I don't think we're going to be involved in a relegation battle. No, I can't see it. I, don't, I just don't think we will. So, I would love an FA Cup run, and I'd love a top half finish. Top I, half, yeah. 
I think that I think, t- t- I think tenth is the absolute best we could hope for. The league is so congested that actually, if we win on Sunday, we're probably only about four points off the top half going mm. into the World Cup break. So that's nothing uh, unachievable. We're not going to get Europe or anything that far that with our uh, league position. We're just not good enough to put a run together. He's going to mm. have to work so hard. So I would I would take. I think realistically, tenth is the best we could hope for. And then we just have to hope that we get a generous FA Cup draw in a couple of weeks' time and we can maybe focus on that because hopefully we'll get enough points in the league that we can really, really go for it in the FA Cup. That would be, I think, that has to be the priority is the FA Cup. Yeah, totally agree. Um, well, Weber, it's been absolutely brilliant to have you on. As as always, um, very learned and interesting Villa fan to listen to, for sure. Um, we're both part of the AVFC London Lions um, so we, I know we get a lot of listeners from London. Um, so there's a lot of us down here. There must be a lot of Villa fans <laughs> around. So we're just putting yeah. the message out. Uh, if you want to get involved with the ABFC London Lions, um, you can find us on Facebook, uh, on Twitter. If Twitter's still uh, running in the next 48 hours, who knows with Elon Musk running the show there. Um, and, uh, you know, we play football on Tuesdays and Sundays and Webbo uh, helps, well, organises uh, all the... Uh, the football for that and uh, anything you want to say just before you go Webbo? Yeah I mean on that front we're always looking for new recruits new players so if you are in London you perhaps potentially just move down here and you fancy a game of football and reach out to, to Frankie via this forum or any forum and we'd definitely welcome you down it'd be great to have people down That was the Midweek Social on All Villa No Filler with our guest this week, Paul Webb from the AVFC London Lions. 